everybody. Welcome. My name is Heather, and I'm excited to tell you about an event we have coming up in March. It's a big deal, and we need your help. Uh, check out what Peter says. He says this, the end of all things is near. near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so you may pray. Above, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Pray, love, gift so God may be praised. Our big event is the Easter egg hunt happening March 26 at 1030 right here. A lot of you are new, so you're not quite for sure what this is, so I'm going to paint a picture for you. I'm about to give you a whole lot of information, so bear with me. Okay, so Saturday, it's the day before Easter, 1030. We're going to have a ton of people come through these doors, and when they come through the doors, we have a gift to give the new people here. So mom and dad, this gift is not for Creekside kids. It's for your kids' friends that they bring to the hunt so that we can give something back to them to take home. And this gift is usually something fun for the kids and information about our church in hopes that they'll come back. So they're coming through the door in the fellowship hall. We're going to have donuts and drinks and coffee. And then we'll filter everyone back in here. And last year we had a packed house, a packed house. We had over 100 kids. Each kid has a parent, a grandparent, a cousin, whatever. It was packed. It was awesome. And then the band played some very high energy music. We had kids up here dancing. It was exciting, was it not? It was exciting. So we're going to do that again. And then after we do that, we have the privilege, we have the opportunity to tell everybody in this room how much God loves them. To tell them the real story of Easter. And believe it or not, not many people know it. So we're going to do that. And then after that, we'll explain the rules and the details, and we'll release the children to go find 4,000 eggs. Okay? it's a lot of eggs. So all this takes work, and it takes help. First of all, what did I say? Prayer. We need prayer. So today, if you haven't started already, will you please start praying? Pray for the event. Pray for the people who are putting on the event, the volunteers. And pray for yourself, who you could ask to come. Then, pray for those people that you're going to ask to come. Pray for the people that are here, that they walk out the door knowing that Jesus loves them. So much prayer. We need him, we need his power, and we get it through prayer. Two, love. This is a great opportunity to love your street, right? So I want you to own this. This isn't, this isn't my event. This isn't the band's event. This is your event. So own it and own it with love for your neighbor, your family, your friends, your coworkers. Love them. In doing so, we're loving God. So let's fill this place up. I need your help to fill this place up. Three, Use your gifts, okay? Great opportunity to use your gifts, and here's how. March 20th, some of you on your seat have this. It's just a little, since there's so much information, I felt you needed to go home with something in your hand. March 20th, after church, is our work day for this event. What we'll be doing then is we're going to fill the eggs, and we're going to count them. We're also going to make the gift bags then, and we're also going to go door to door. So think about if you're available, how can you help in one of those three areas? We need candy. We need toys. We need stickers, coins, whatever to fit in this thing right here. Um, Twizzlers don't fit. 
a bag of Skittles, those little ones, those don't even fit too. Okay, so here's what I want. Anything that would fit in this, in this, it doesn't have to be candy. It can be something fun. Put it, that, that's what we need. We need, we need, we need enough to fill 4,000 eggs. I don't want M&Ms because those melt in your hand. And I don't want um, sour or sugar-coated things because that's just sticky and nobody likes that. Jelly beans, great. Finally, we need donations. Okay, the gifts that we give, it costs money to buy the gifts and the stuff to put in it. So we, if, if you can't do anything else, please, we will take donations. And another cool thing we're adding this year is we're going to hide golden eggs. And depending how much money we get, we would like, if a child finds a golden egg, we would like them to turn this in and they would get a Bible. Okay, so our goal is 12. Maybe we can get up to 10 and it'll be a children's Bible. Okay, that's pretty exciting. I'm excited about that. So why do we all, why do we do this all? Pray, love, gifts, so that what? God gets the glory, right? He sent his son to die for us. He defeated death. We believe in him. We get to live forever. So let, let us pass that on. Let us pass that on with joy, with love, with passion. Finally, the last thing, I'm excited about this, is we are going to do t-shirts this year. Volunteer t-shirts. Can you see that? Oh, wait. That's supposed to be on the screen. Here we go. There we go. If you sign up to help, we are asking you to wear a t-shirt. They're $7 each. And if you'd rather not buy one, that's cool. You can borrow it for the day. All right? We're letting that happen. But, but I do need you to sign your name and your size next to it. So I'm going to send this around. And it's very organized. I have nice three tabs. The first sign-up sheet is for you and your t-shirt and your size. You need to do it today. We're ordering them this week. And we are going to order extra, too. So if you're like, oh, no, I didn't get it. It's okay. We're getting extra. There's a tab, too. If you want to sign up for the hunt, um, put it for the hunt help day. Sign up for that. If you want to sign up to help for the hunt, um, do that, too. That is just for me to get an idea who's going to be here. Do I have enough help? Um, maybe something happened last minute, and I got to send out an email to the people who signed up. So anyway, that is it. Thank you, and I'm excited to serve with you guys. During the next couple of songs, our offering is going to come around. If you're a visitor with us, feel free to let that pass you by. Why don't you stand with me? Let's turn our hearts towards worshiping the Lord right now. Jesus, just thank you so much for bringing us all here this morning. I believe that we're all here for a reason. And I pray that this morning that we can hear your words and that they can impact our lives. And I thank you so much for salvation and everything you do for us in this praise and worship that we've been able to do, Lord. And now I pray as we come before you and we try to hear the words that you want to challenge us with, that we'd allow ourselves to work through all our own pride, selfishness, our own struggles, everything that keeps us from being able to hear exactly what we need to hear from you this morning. And Jesus, I pray that as we work through this stuff and we leave here, we would leave feeling that we've been able to connect with you, Lord. And as we celebrate later your, your, your salvation that you've given us, Lord Jesus, and, and the sacrifice that was made for us, Lord, I pray that we will be able to celebrate like we've never celebrated before. In your name, amen. You guys can be seated. So I have a couple announcements real quick before we get into the message. 
uh, Vance asked me to uh, promote the Harvest America, Greg Laurie. So this is March 6th. I asked Vance if I could tell everybody that he's actually coming here to the church to see if we could get more people to come because the guy would actually be here. He said that would probably be a lie, so I can't do that. It's a simulcast that will be showing through here. You guys should come. I think it will be very encouraging to you. Cool thing we can do as a family here at, at Creekside. So don't forget that. I think we've handed out a lot of these things. I'm sure Vance has more of these if you want to invite other people. Harvest America, Greg Laurie, March 6th. Tonight, tonight I'm really excited to invite you guys to something here. My good friends Dan and Georgiana Aikens, in fact, Dan is the one who actually taught me to be a worship leader. Um, and one of my best friends for a long time. He and his wife and their friend Pablo, they make up the band The Ineloquent. And they'll be here tonight at 6. And I'm telling you, every single one in this room should be back here tonight at 6. If you want to be blessed by a, an awesome ministry of music, it, I'm biased, but they're pretty awesome. Uh, the Lord has used their gift for, for years and years, going on tour throughout churches all over the United States. And now he's been using their gift in Romania for the last couple of years. And they have beautiful voices, a beautiful heart, and, and they write beautiful words. And I would encourage you all to be here tonight at 6 o'clock to just be able to, to sit, listen, worship with them, and hang out with the family here at Creekside and, uh, and have an awesome time. 6 o'clock tonight. 6 to 7, I think there's going to be a little hangout afterwards. I also want to talk, and this, this, is, just, this is just me sitting back there worshiping and, and watching. So, so when I'm not up on stage, which is not very often, I, I like to be in the back when everybody else is worshiping, and I probably should be more focused on my own, but I like to watch what everybody else is doing, and, and if they're into it, uh, so don't think that's creepy, I'm in the back watching you guys, don't throw up an extra like, is he watching me, is he watching, I got my hands up, um, but what I was noticing is, over the last few weeks, we've had a lot of new faces coming in here, a lot of faces that, that I have not met yet, uh, and I'm excited to see that. And, and what I want you to know, if this is your first Sunday here or your second, third, or fourth, the one thing I want you to know about Creekside and this group, and I keep calling us family, is two things. With all our hearts, we want to love God and love people. That's what this group of people is all about. And so if that's a, part of, a group you want to be a part of, get to know us. Talk to some people. Grab somebody. Ask more about us. But it comes down to the fact that we love God and we want to love Him better. And we want to take that love for God and we want to love others with it. And if that's not something you want to get on board with, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to follow Christ because that's what He's about. And that's what we'll talk about this morning. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, hopefully you've been able to, to be challenged if you've come here before. So we're going to get into our, our, our psalm series again. But I want to set it up this morning, and kind of what we'll do is I'll, I'll diagram the issue that we can talk through, and then, and then God will come to the rescue in the Word. And we'll read through that, and we'll see how he, he's laid out a rescue plan for all of us, a healing, a freedom. So a lot of times when I get up and speak, I have to start from the beginning to be able to, to, to lay this out. And so I pick on Adam and Eve all the time. I think two, three times ago when I spoke, I picked on Adam and Eve. But the only way we can start from the beginning is we go back to the beginning where all of our issues started. 
Because in reality, man was created perfect. You guys know that? You remember that? Adam and Eve, they're, they're chilling in the garden. They're walking around. They're naked. They have no idea they're naked because they don't know what naked is. They don't know what sin is. And they're at perfect peace. It actually says in Genesis that they were naked and they knew no shame. They didn't know what sin or shame was. And so here comes Satan. Satan's coming in with his lies. Uh, just like he does with us, the very first two people that walk this earth. Here, here's Satan. And he comes in, he starts whispering to Eve, whispers to Adam, go take of this fruit, you can be like God, you can be just like him. And that resonates with them. And what do they do? The first two people, I don't know how long it lasted, it couldn't have been very long. They take a bite, and all of a sudden, they are aware of their nakedness. They're aware of their sin. They're aware of their shame. They are aware, and they feel this for the first time. The first humans that have ever felt sin and shame. Right there. And that has led us down this path for every single one of us. From the moment we were created and in our mother's womb and we came out, we came out with that capacity to sin. It was going to be impossible for any of us to be born and not sin. There has no one walked this earth righteous except for Jesus Christ. And so we have the sin capacity. And what that does is over our life, and we've got a real little one in here. To, I'm not going to point out the oldest person in here, but we've got a vast range in age in this room this morning. And every single one of us has gone through life with, with this sin nature, and that leads us to choices we make. Some of them could be very small, and some of them could have been so huge that it impacted yourself, the people around you. Your spouse, your children, your family, your friends. Some of them might have been a mistake that you made, a choice that you made that, that had great implications on your entire life or great implications on someone else's life. That could have done so much damage that you could have never imagined yourself making that choice. And that's where sin has led us to. And we all have the ability to choose yes or no. I'm going to make this choice. But inevitably, we will all still sin. God knew this. He knew when he created Adam and Eve that, that walking on earth in perfection was not going to last long because he knew inevitably we would make a choice. And if it wasn't Adam and Eve... If it was one of us, we would have still made that same choice. And so now because of this, we've got these choices that we have made. Every single one of us in this room, we've got choices that we've made that have impacted us. And, and what I feel like it leads us to, Kyle laid out really nicely a couple weeks ago, this forgiveness. And I think everybody in this room, or most everybody in this room, I, I would think, believe that God forgives us. I think if I, I asked you all, you'd say, yes, God, God forgives. And, and for us to embrace that, that, that is huge for our salvation, to understand that God forgives. But I can tell you, for example, in my own life, that, that I believe in God's forgiveness, but at the same time, I have held on like a weight upon me 
some choices that I've made in my life. Because even though we believe in forgiveness, that doesn't necessarily mean that we let go of the weight of shame and guilt that is upon us. Some people will live with great weight of shame and guilt for the rest of their lives, never understanding fully what God does with this forgiveness. It, it can impact every relationship you've ever had. It can impact the relationship you have with your spouse. It can impact the relationship with, you have with your kids. It can impact your friendships, your family, your jobs. I, I look at it as if this, this guilt and shame that we're left with, it, I don't know what choice it was or what decision you made that left you with that, but I was looking at my own life, and, and I, could, I could go back. My first remembrance of feeling guilt or shame would go back all the way to kindergarten. And I can remember, still to this day, sitting in the principal's office and lying to his face. <laughs> kindergarten. You did it too? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and you guys know I was homeschooled. I did go to public school, kindergarten, first grade, so I'm not talking about my dad, okay? <laughs> this was a real principal. <laughs> um, and I can remember that to this day and still feel, you know, a little angst about it. I can remember in first grade, the most annoying girl in my class was, was always falling around this other girl. And she was running on the playground and she tripped over that girl's leg and she fall, hit her head, broke it open, had to go get stitches. And I remember somebody saying to me in class, hey, isn't that sad that Elizabeth broke her head open? I can remember to this day saying, no, she got what she deserved. And I still, to this day, remember specifically that reaction and the people saying, what? Then later in my life, I remember struggling through high school and college and all these choices that I would make that would, would be very detrimental to my own life. And I still remember the feelings of that. And something so small can take me back there and can set me off. And then I remember 10 years ago when I made choices that could have wrecked my family and God was powerful enough to redeem but easily something can take me back there and I feel all this weight of guilt and shame and the choices that I've made in fact just a few weeks ago um, I was having an interaction with somebody that was with me at that time 10 years ago when I was going through those big struggles and knew all about this and in in our email conversation details about that came up and I just remember in that moment just going right back there and feeling all of that on me and I just I mean this was just a few weeks ago and I just laid in my bed and I just bawled feeling like oh am I still that person I feel that on me I feel it see Satan he knows God wants to use the power of forgiveness in our lives. And what he wants to do is use his power of shaming and guilting us for choices we have made. And so as often as he can, it may be the, the closest person to your, you in your life could say something and it can take you right back there. You could hear something about something completely unrelated and Satan can take us right back there. I asked my kids, because uh, 
I knew what I was going to be speaking on, and I asked them, I said, is there, what's the, what's the one thing you really remember that, that you did wrong that you can never forget? And Sylvie was struggling to come up with something, maybe because there was a lot of things. And she's a sweet girl. Colin knew right away. He said, well, three years ago in school, I was in line, and this girl was in front of me, and, you know, the further you are to the line, you get the snacks first. And so I wanted her out of the line. So I told her if she got out of the line and moved to the back, I'd give her a dollar. Well, then so she got out of the line, went to the back, and I never gave her a dollar. And I've always felt horrible about it. And every time I see her in school, I feel horrible about it. And I said, son, for one, you never told us that. And two, go give her a dollar. Just go give her the dollar and tell her the story. And so we gave him a dollar that next morning. He went to school. He found her. She's in his class now. He gave her the dollar and explained the story. And I said, son, what'd she think? She said, he said, oh, she thought I was weird. She didn't know what I was doing. I said, but do you feel better? He said, yeah, I feel better. But that's something that he's held on to. You know, he sees that girl and he thinks, oh, there's that shame. And I feel like, like carrying shame and guilt is like a 500-pound backpack that we go through life with. And so, so we're going through life and we have this weight on us. And, you know, you kind of get used to the weight sometimes. And so you don't notice it as much because you've been carrying it for so long. And so you get used to it. But there will be those moments where you feel like it's just going to crush you to the ground. And you're just walking and you feel the pain and you feel everything from this weight that's just crushing you. And Satan wants to just pile it on. And that backpack just becomes so heavy that how can you be free to go do what God wants you to do? How can you be free to love the people he wants you to love? Because you've got all this weight just holding you down. Then God comes in. And it's really cool that, that it's David that wrote these words. Because if we can connect with anybody that understands guilt and shame, that is David. Kyle, he laid this out two weeks ago. He talked about David's mistakes that he had made. But what's really cool was we know God called David a man after his own heart. That is crazy to hear. Because we look at people, and, and believe it or not, Christians can be pretty judgmental. <laughs> um, but we look at other people, and we're like, they did what? That person did this? That's awful. And here's David, man after God's own heart, and, uh, and we lay out his life. And this man struggled with adultery. Then he went and, and had a guy murdered. And he had all these crazy issues. And this is the man that God wanted to use. This is a man that God used to write books of the Bible. And this is, again, the man that God called the man after his own heart. And he did all of these things. And so as I'm reading through Psalms 103, and you guys can start turning there, you almost hear this as, as a dialogue between God and David. As you know, David is struggling with this weight, his own 500-pound backpack that he's carrying, that his life has been dictated by all these choices that he's made. And so God says, 
here's some words for you. And here's some words not only for you, but here's some words for everyone. He came to David's side, and he wanted to help him understand some things. Psalms 103. You're going to notice a theme in here, and it's really awesome. And, and I don't want to uh, contrast God. We can, actually. Let's compare God to everyone else in our lives. Everyone else in our lives and the people close to us and the people we love and, and even the people who, who bring the most encouragement to our lives, they still, and I've said this before, will hurt us. And they will still let us down and they still cannot do what God can do. And so God is the anti-everyone else. Right? God's the anti-everyone. God is above what, where, where everyone else falls short. God never does. And so he's talking to David and he's giving him these words. And where everyone else could fall short, he won't. And so he says to David, well, and this is David's recount of this. And he's actually starting with praise because he's heard these words from, from God. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And David was definitely in the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I almost look like your youth is just your past. Your earlier years. Everything before now. And he renews those days like the eagles. The, Lord's work, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows, who we are, uh, he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we were dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flowers in the field. The wind blows over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Let's stop there. So we have this God coming. We have the God coming to David's side. And I just picture David recounting in his, in his mind and in his heart these decisions that he made and thinking back to the man that he had killed. And just, because you had to know, if he was a man after God's own heart, he had to have this sensitivity in here and this conscience. And you had to have, have imagined that he'd been sitting there just wrestling with this, that I took a man's life, a man is gone because of me. That I took a man's wife. All of these things. And he's sitting there. 
And God comes to his side as father. As a father. And I know sometimes we as, as believers, sometimes we look at God almost from the impression of our own father. Our earthly father gives us an impression. And sometimes it's a good one and sometimes it's a really, really hard one. But God the father goes above and beyond any father that has ever been on this earth. And he comes to David as a father. And, and you hear over and over and over again in this passage, compassion, compassion. And he has compassion for him. And he remembers the sin no more. And, and his anger will not last forever. And he brings me up out of the pit. So, a lot of people, because there's all this pain and death and horrible things that happen in this world, and, and they'll tell you, well, Christians are believing in a God. If, if, if this God is so great and compassionate and gracious, then why are all these things happening? And so the, the view of God, our God, can become where he's this dictator that, that sits up there and tells us what to do and takes out people's lives. And allows all these horrible things to happen. And the reality is, he's this God father with compassion that looks at us and his heart breaks for our hurting. Who has done every possible thing he can do to give us a way out, to heal us. And he's coming to David's side and he's saying, I have compassion for you. I want to bring you up out of the pit. I want you to be able to see your life and live beyond the weight of the guilt and shame. And I will do everything in my power to show you that you are not that person anymore. And then what does David go on to do? Become one of the greatest people in the Bible. Impact so many different lives. And continues to impact lives with the words that God gave him through his, his writings. God came to his aid just like he comes to ours. And I can just see him saying to David, Hey, David, look, look, look up to heaven. Can you see it? No, I can't see it. That's as high as that is how great my love is for you. And you can't, you can't see it. You can't get there. That's how big. David, look to the east. Um, I'm horrible with directions, so I was going to point somewhere. Um, but just... Uh, just know what I'm saying. So when I say, look to the east. East? Yeah. David, look to the east. Can you see the end? No, I can't see the end. And so obviously, this must be west. Look to the west. Can you see the end? No, I can't see the end. That's how far I've removed your sin. As far as the east is from the west, you can't see it, you'll never see it. I've taken it that far. See, I'm a father of compassion. You sin, I tell you I'm going to forgive you. I do forgive you. I know we have people in our life that say we forgive you. And at the same time, we still feel like there are aspects that are not forgiven. You will never have that with God. He says, I look at your life no matter what you've done. I was talking to this family, good friends of ours. And their son committed murder. <laughs> and I was talking to the mother and the father about this just this week and saying, this is what I'm speaking on. 
And I'm saying, your son, God has forgiven him. He can look at his life now in prison. And even though there's a reminder of what he did every single day as he wakes up and he looks at bars and he doesn't have the freedom to walk out and do whatever he wants to do, even though there's that reminder, God has removed that sin. If he confesses, God forgives. And he doesn't just forgive, he removes it. And so he could actually live, he could actually live in prison with freedom. More freedom than he ever experienced outside those bars. Because God has said, you're free now. It's no more. I don't know who in this room has something. I, I, I feel like most of us have things that we've held on to. Something we said to somebody. A choice we made. A night that maybe we drank too much. A night we said too much. A night that we, we, we stepped out of the boundaries of what is okay. And it infected and impacted other people's lives. And we still sit remembering those decisions that we made. And God looks at you like he looks at David. And he says, as high as the heavens are, can you see it? No. That's how much I love you. Look to the east. And you can't see it because that's as far as I've removed your sin. Vance, that's how far I've removed your sin. Christy, that's how far I've removed your sin. Steve, that's how far I've removed your sin. Amy, that's how far I have removed your sin. He is talking to every single one of us saying, you've been forgiven. It's gone. You don't have to live going back to it and just struggling with it with that 500-pound backpack just hanging on me. Look at these choices I've made. God comes down, and he says, no, no more. And I look at it like, <laughs> here's me just carrying my 500-pound backpack of guilt and shame and just struggling so much. And I see Jesus come down, and he walks up to me, and he looks at me. And he just smiles and shakes his head. Oh, child. <laughs> oh, child. And he wipes the tears out of my eyes. And then he reaches over and he unfastens that backpack and he comes around and he grabs it and he pulls it off of me. As you feel this weight just come off. For the first time. And you see him take it. Put it on his own back. I got it. I'm taking it from you. And now it's mine. And then he says, now go run. Jump. Go in freedom and experience what it's like to not have that weight on you anymore. Because it's gone. That's what I do for you. Because you are that special to me. And so now we have this, this weightless freedom to go love the people we love 
even better and to go serve the people God wants us to serve even better and to above all love him like we've never loved him before. <laughs> the band could come up as I tell this last story. My dad, my dad used to tell me a story or tell the church a story that I've never forgotten. It's about a father and a son. And the son would always get in trouble, just always making the wrong choices. And so these parents were always having to punish him, and, and his dad hated it, and he did not know how to help his son understand. And so this one day, he'd done something, and it messed something of his mother's up. I don't even remember what it was. And the mom sent the son to the room and said, when your dad gets home, you're going to be punished. And he knew exactly what that meant. This was way back in the day. And so it was going to probably be a spanking with a belt. He knew that was coming. And so he's sitting there with that anticipation. And if you ever remember those days, it was awful. He sat there with that anticipation that his dad was going to pull in, and then his dad was going to come in, and he knew what was going to happen. And so he heard his dad's car. And he knew his dad was in the house talking to his mom, and so it's coming soon. He's going to have his punishment. And so soon after, his dad walks in the door, and sure enough, he's holding the belt in his hands. And he comes, and he sits down next to his son. He says, son, <laughs> you know what you did? Yeah. You know there has to be a punishment for that, right? And I don't want to do it, but you know there has to be a punishment. He said, yep. And he kind of like said, bring it on. Or like, I got it. That's fine. So the son, he said, bend over. And his dad's sitting next to him with the belt in his hands. And the son just like closes his eyes knowing that the pain's about to come. And he hears the belt go back and this whip come down. Psh, and he doesn't feel anything. And so he keeps closing his eyes. Maybe he missed. Hears the belt go back again. Comes down even harder. Psh, and he doesn't feel anything. And this time he turns around to look. And his father's standing over him with tears in his eyes. As he takes the belt back another time. And brings it down as hard as he can over his own leg. And the son's like, what are you doing? That's my punishment. Why are you hitting yourself? And he said, son, someone had to take that punishment for you. And I want to do that so you understand what forgiveness is. That you understand what grace is. Because that's what our Jesus did for us. So, we get to come before the communion table and remember our Father. We get to remember our Jesus who went to the cross for us. Who took that punishment for us. And in reality, the, the, the spear to the side and the thorns on the head and the, the cat of nine tails across the back, that pain was nothing in comparison to the weight of the guilt and shame of all of us on his shoulders as he hung on that cross. The pain that he took for us 
as he said, somebody had to take the punishment. And I loved you so much, I wanted to take it for you. And now, Father, forgive them, because they had no idea what they were doing. And now he takes our lives, and he sees our sin, he says, you're forgiven, and now I've removed it. And now we can come before him and remember that and say, thank you. And my challenge this morning, and, and we'll re, I'll talk about this again in just a few moments, but I challenge you this morning, if you have held on to that guilt and shame for years and years and years over choices that you made and you have never let it go, this is the morning. Come remember Jesus and then tell him, I give it to you. Take it. I want, I want if, you, if that's something you want for yourself, it is so hard to just do it by yourself. And so this morning, there are, are, are many people in this room that can pray with you. I will be right up front. Nick and Heather are here. They can pray with you. There's elders around here that can pray with you. I want you to not hesitate because this should be the day that you can take off that 500-pound backpack that you've been holding on to your whole lives and walk out of here in freedom. Why would anyone want to keep that on top of them? So I pray this morning that you can let it go. That you can see what God has done for you. Jesus, just thank you so much for the sacrifice that was made on our behalf, Lord. And I just pray that if there are those in this room that are struggling with something, struggling with the weight of guilt and shame, decisions that they have made, choices that they have made, that have hurt them, hurt others, Lord. I pray that today that they can see what you've done for them. Lord Jesus, help them open their eyes to see what can be had. Give them that freedom, Lord Jesus, and help them to be able to remove that weight of guilt and shame. Help them to see how far you've removed their sin. Help this to be the day that they let that go. And if there's folks in this room, Lord, that don't know you, Jesus, I pray that today is the day when they start this, this great relationship with the most amazing being ever in you, Lord. So be with us as we, we come and we remember you, Lord Jesus, that we remember fully what you've done for us, Lord Jesus, and we take that to heart and we live in that freedom. In your name, amen. Okay, so this is what's happened. We've sang two songs, which I know how this works. That's given us enough time to talk ourselves out of any conversation we'd like to have, any conviction that we've had. Satan's come in over those two songs and tried to get in there. And so what I want to challenge you guys with this morning, and maybe that hasn't happened, and I praise God if it hasn't. We're going to sing a couple more songs here. 
I want to be sitting up front. And if you want prayer right now, come up here and I would love to pray with you. But I know that's very intimidating. So what I want to offer you guys is um, an opportunity to catch me later. I can even give you my email address and you guys can just email me and say, I just need prayer. It's that simple. But don't carry it alone. It's not as easy, obviously, as just knowing that God says he's removed our shame and guilt and sin. Because if it were that easy, then I wouldn't have been bawling three weeks ago. So he's a God that sympathizes. He understands. So I challenge you. Prayer is the greatest weapon against what Satan would try to keep you from doing. And so I will sit up here. Nick and Heather are sitting over there. You can come grab either of us and grab prayer. Or just find me later and, and I'll get you connected. If you need to talk to somebody, I'll get you connected. But, but take to heart what the Holy Spirit is nagging at you to do. Because I want freedom for you today. Father, thank you again for for what you've given us, Lord. Now I pray for the hearts of those people in here, the minds of those people in here, Lord Jesus. Anybody that, that has something that they need to work through, Lord, I pray that they would do that today, Father. In your name, amen.